0: Yeah. Okay. I don't dance like that. I think I can do this. So that's, that's, that's about all I got, it's right there. So uh, I was born in 1970, don't try to do the math, it'll just hurt yourself. And uh, so I was a kid in the 70s and a teenager in the 80s and I loved growing up in the 70s. No computers, no smartphones, no social media. When you had drama in the 70s, you actually had face-to-face drama. There was no social drama, no, what did they post on Facebook or what did they tweet? And man, when you growing up in the 70s, we played things like bike tag. I loved bike tag. You had to ride your bike as fast as you could and try to catch someone riding their bike as fast as they could and you hope you didn't hit your tires and totally wipe out. And no one wore helmets, it was exciting. And, uh, you know, if you wanted to have fun in the 70s, you had to go outside and do this thing called play. And there's a lot of kids, they don't know what that is today. They walk outside and they're like, what's the big orange-yellow thing in the sky? And we're like, that's the sun. And uh, get used to it. And so I just love growing up in the 70s. I remember that uh, when I got home, my mom and dad expected me to have grass stains and dirt stains on my clothes. And if I walked in and I didn't have stains, they were like, what are you doing? Get back outside and play. So sometimes when I walked home, I didn't have any stains. I would just dive in my yard and roll around the grass for a little bit and just have fun. And of course, if you like classic rock, it all happened in the 70s. Any classic rock lovers out there? Yeah, yeah, we got a lot of classic rock lovers out there. And so middle-income home, uh, I just love growing up in the 70s. I remember my mom and dad had this huge yellow station wagon, Horrible gas mileage, but it was built like a tank. It could drive through buildings. And in the, in the back of the station wagon, it had these little pop-up seats that my sister and I would sit in. They didn't have any seat belts. You weren't worried, because if you got hit, they would get hurt, because you were driving around in a tank. And just just, just love that. And, and then, uh, so great growing up in the 70s, and then in the 80s, I go into my teen years. And of course, teen years are always challenging. Uh, but I remember in 1985, when I turned 15 years old, uh, that my world was turned upside down. I remember my mom and dad uh, one day called me into the living room and they had me sit down for a talk. And you know when your mom and dad call you in the living room to sit down and talk, it's never good. They never give you like a birthday prize or anything like that when they do that. And so they sat down and they said, uh, my dad started talking and said, you know, uh, your mom and I aren't going to be able to work our marriage out and so we're getting a divorce. And, And I was just stunned. I didn't even know what to say. I know some people, when they hear bad news, they're, they're criers. How many of you are criers out there? When bad news comes your way, you're like a two-tissue box kind of person. You're just ready to go. Uh, but that wasn't me. I was stunned. I didn't even know what to say because, really, I'd had such a good life up to this point. I just couldn't fathom what was happening. In fact, all I said was, okay. I didn't even know what this meant for my future. And in my neighborhood, all my friends, their parents were still married except this one guy. And I always felt bad for that guy because it was like, man, he's kind of on the outside looking in. And then I realized, now I'm on the outside looking in. And that's what I'm going through. And I know that as some of you, some of you hear the story, uh, you can relate. You've either been through divorce or your parents have been divorced. And I know that something weird happens when we share kind of our bad stories with each other. We kind of have this one-upsmanship where we compare scars. And so I know some of you are like, you think that was a bad childhood, let me tell you about mine. And, and some of you have childhoods that were way worse than mine, and, I, and I'm sorry for that. We all kind of have our, our different experiences. But I know this, everyone in this room, you've had something or several somethings happen in your life that have turned your world upside down and you've experienced pain. And about nine months after my mom and dad told me they were getting a divorce i accepted christ in my life my family was so uncertain and christ was certain he was like rock solid and as i grew in my faith i began to read the bible i came across a passage of scripture in philippians and here it is uh, philippians 1 6 being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of christ jesus that's one of my favorite verses it's a it's a life verse I just love it that I I can always count on Christ to continue to work in me. And while I'm thankful of the stability and strength that Jesus offers, there was always that little voice in the background asking why. And it's asking this question, why do bad things happen to good people? It's that question that really can derail our faith. So many people have quit following Christ because they're struggling to answer this question. And all of you probably have your why's. You know, why did my parents have to get a divorce? Or maybe you've gone through a divorce yourself and you weren't the one who wanted the divorce. Your spouse said, like, why did that have to happen? Or why did we have to go through this financial difficult time? Or why did I have to go to the doctor and get a bad report? Or why did one of my loved ones pass away way too young? And there's there's a thousand scenarios of all the whys. And so many times you're like, I don't know. I don't know, God, it doesn't make sense to me. And when we see that question and we think to ourselves, hey, I'm good people. None of us are perfect, we know that. But you're thinking, "You know, I go to work, I pay my bills, I try to be the best spouse I can be, the best parent I can be. I'm a a pretty decent person. And plus, I'm following Jesus and I go to church. So God, why do bad things happen to good people? And today I'm gonna try to answer that question. And when I give you the answer, some of you will be familiar with it, others of you maybe not. And when I give you the answer, it won't satisfy. It won't satisfy you emotionally. Intellectually, to help you get a little bit better understanding, but it won't satisfy you emotionally. And it's not for that point. It's just so you can kind of begin to try to wrap your head around the why. And the why, it really comes down to two simple words. And those simple words are free will. You know, when God made you and me, He could have made us and programmed us so we automatically loved him. That every person automatically woke up every morning and said, man, I love God. But he didn't want robots. He wanted people to choose to love him. So he gave us free will. He gave Adam and Eve free will. You are given free will so that, you know, your family and friends, you don't want your family and friends to say that they love you because they have to. You want them to choose to love you. And so God gave us free will to make these choices And we can choose to love God and do amazing things as human beings. But when we're given free will, we can also choose to do horrible things and selfish things and evil things. And many times we do. And when we use our free will, it unleashes all kinds of pain in our world. And you've experienced some of that pain in your life. And so as I talk about the why and our free will I've broken it down into five categories it, it just helps me kind of understand this and as you see these five categories You might agree you might disagree you might have less categories or more categories This is, these are just the categories that I put together to kind of help me understand the why because when I'm going through pain I'm asking the same question you're asking. Why is this happening to me God? And so here's the first category Choices you make a lot of times you're in pain because of the choices that you made. Let's do a simple example, a speeding ticket. Some of you work over in St. Louis, and if you're being honest with yourself, you speed every day. To work, from work, you're driving 10 miles over the speed limit. Vroom, 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 vroom. You, I don't want to ask you to raise your hands, but you're out there, we know it, okay. Um, so if you aren't making eye contact with me because you know you speed every day, I know. And so you speed every day, you never get pulled over. Get to work. Then there's that one day. Well, you've got to get home from work because you have to take your son or daughter to the practice. You're running late. You got out of work late, and you're speeding home, and it's on that day. You're speeding along, and you see the lights in your rearview mirror, and you pull over. And I think the policeman purposely waits in the car longer just to mess with you. You know, I want him to get out really quick. He never does. And that's when you start to complain. God, I can't believe it. You know, I've got to get home today. I've got to get my son or daughter to practice. I was running late from work. God, why this day of all days do I get a speeding ticket? What's going on, God? And it's not that God's mad at you. You chose to speed. You chose every day to speed. You made a free will choice, and bad things are happening to you. And sometimes we have trouble being honest with ourselves and owning up. Are you facing some pain today because of choices that you made I mean, we, we hear the stories of someone who smoked for 40 years, and then they have lung cancer. And, and we hate to hear that, but we kind of understand it. That they made this choice to smoke for 40 years, and now they're suffering the consequences. Many times we're suffering the consequences because of the choices we made, but instead of being willing to look at ourselves and say, God, this is on me, we're always wanting to blame everyone else around us. And while this category, this can be painful, it's not normally as painful as the second category, and it's this one right here, choices others make that directly impact you. These would be your family members, your friends, co-workers, people you're close with. I remember when my parents got a divorce, my sister and I had to work through that emotionally. It wasn't our fault that they got a divorce, but we had to deal with it. Maybe you've had to go through something like that. Just just by a show of hands, how many of you right now are struggling emotionally or relationally with someone close to you and they've caused you pain? They've caused you pain. A lot of hands going up. We have to deal with pain. When God talks about forgiveness and reconciliation, it's normally in this category. Other people are making choices and we have to suffer with them. And it's painful. And we struggle with that. And it's like, God, do I have to forgive them? And God said, yes. Yes. We have to forgive them. And so sometimes if you're going through something painful, is it because of choices other people made that are close to you? It's like, that's how life some, is sometimes. A third category is this. Choices made in a fallen and broken world. When God made Adam and Eve and gave them free will and they chose to eat of the tree, sin was introduced in the world. And we are born with a sin nature. And it doesn't mean that human beings can't be generous and amazing and do good things, but all of us have a sin nature. And to our natural bent, we are given to selfishness and sin. And so we live in a world that's marred and broken by sin. There's over 7 billion people on planet Earth, and there's all kind of sin that's going on, and it just impacts us. Even if it's not directly related to us, it begins to impact us. I remember back in 2007 and 2008, there was the huge global market crash, And a big part of that was the housing market. And building up to that, there were a few people warning, saying, you just can't do this with the housing market. You you can't give out loans to people who really don't have the jobs to pay the mortgages. And you can't keep bundling the loans and going from one institution to the next institution. Sooner or later, this is going to come crashing down. And it did. And it affected the whole world. And back then, maybe you lost your job. And you're thinking, I, I don't get it, God. I was going to work every day. I was paying my bills. I was making my mortgage payment. I was doing the right thing. But now I'm out of a job. We live in a fallen and broken world, marred by sin. It's in this category that a lot of people abandon God because it just doesn't make sense. See, this is the category where you can go to a children's hospital and see a seven-year-old with a terminally ill disease. And that doesn't make any sense. I, I, why? God, why does a seven-year-old have a terminally ill disease? There are things that happen, and there just seems to be no explanation of why. And people are like, you know what? If that's how you are, God, if these horrible things are going to happen, and there doesn't seem to be any explanation, then I'm just going to quit. I'm abandoning you. And maybe that's how you feel this morning. And and if you're there, hold on. Because i got some answers coming after this, but just hold on. I understand that feeling. But normally when there's horrible things happening, there's no explanation. It's because we live in a fallen and broken world that's marred by sin. The fourth category is this one, choices the enemy makes to destroy you. The Bible in talking about Satan says this in 1 Peter 5.8, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We have an enemy in Satan and he's looking to destroy you every day. Before human beings were given free will, God gave the angels free will. And Satan chose to rebel along with a third of the, of the angels. They tried to usurp God, and God said, no, there's only one of me. And he kicked Satan and the other demons, the, the other angels, I should say, out of heaven. And his dominion's here on earth, and he's looking to destroy people. You have an enemy in Satan. And so all of us have, it seems, that one temptation we struggle with, some temptations, no struggle, but there's that one or two temptations that always rears its ugly head, and you start to have victory in Christ over it, and then it rears its ugly head again. It's like, what's going on, God? It's because we have an enemy looking to destroy you. He wants to bring pain into your life. Now, there are those people that see Satan around every corner, and you've got to be careful. There's those people that are, you know, they're driving through the um, parking lot at Walmart, and it's really crowded, and they have to park far away from the store, and are like, well, the devil's against me today. And I'm like, the devil's not against you. It was just crowded at Walmart. You know, uh, I don't see the devil in everything. But you've gone through spiritual battles in your life. When you're having your lows and you're trying to follow Christ and you're like, why am I going through this difficult spiritual battle? God, why am I dealing with this pain? Remember, we have an enemy. Don't underestimate that. We have an enemy working against us. And he's making choices to stop you. And the final category is this one. Choices God makes for the greater good. The best example of this is Jesus on the cross. God the Father says to his son, I need you to leave heaven and go to earth, live a perfect, sinless life, and uh, and then die on the cross for the sins of humanity. And Jesus says, okay, and Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane the night before, and three times he's like, "You know, God, can you take this cup from me? Jesus has got his own free will, but he surrenders his free will to God's will, And he dies for you and me. And there's times that God allows pain in our lives for the greater good. And many times we don't understand, we can't see the big picture of what God is doing, but he allows it to happen uh, for the greater good. And so if you're going through a painful time right now, or maybe the last several months you've been going through something very painful, just take a moment to step back. Instead of blaming God, would you just begin to honestly evaluate Where's this pain coming from? Was it a choice I made? Was it someone close to me? Is it just because we lived in a messed up world? Because I have an enemy in Satan? Or maybe God's doing something and I just don't see it. Begin to kind of take a look at the big picture. In the end, it really comes down how you choose to respond. When pain comes your way, you can choose to run away or run towards God. You can choose to cover up or open up. Now when pain comes your way, a lot of times the thing you want to do is you want to run away. When, you know, when you get injured, you kind of protect yourself. You, you want to cover up. And some people do that, and at first it feels kind of good. Because you're like, you know, I thought you loved me, God, and I guess you don't love me because I'm struggling with this. And if that's how it is... I'm done with you. I'm quitting church. I'm I'm quitting reading the Bible. I'm quitting prayer. I'm quitting hanging around other Christians. I'm just done with you. And you kind of shake your fist at God and you go your own way. And even though you're in pain, it still feels a little good because like I'm in control. But when you do that, all you've done is to inject a poison into your soul. A slow working poison that fills you with anger and resentment and bitterness and fear and anxiety. It eventually begins to cause your soul to die, and you begin to become immobile spiritually, never really being able to move for God. Thankfully, all things are possible with God. He can pull you out of any situation. But that's what's happening when we inject that poison into our bodies of running away and covering up. Thinking about becoming immobile, I remember when several years ago I slipped on a patch of ice and fell on my left shoulder and I tore my rotator cuff. And for several months, I went to physical therapy and it just wasn't getting better. And I'd, I'd raise my arm up to about right here and I'd just be in horrible pain. And so finally, I went to a doctor and he said, well, let's take an MRI. And I took a picture, said, oh yeah, we need, to, we need to do surgery. And so like a week later, I had the surgery and I am at home, I got the, the sling on. And for a month, they basically just kept my shoulder immobile, just gotta let it heal. And so the month ended and then I had to go to physical therapy. How, much, how many of you have ever been to physical therapy before? Isn't it just the worst? I hate those guys um and so i get to physical therapy i had to go three times a week for two months and i i lay down on the the bed there and uh he says now listen surgically your shoulder is healed but we've got to start moving your shoulder and get the muscles going in because if we don't those muscles will actually get stuck in place and you just be limited in moving your shoulder for the rest of your life and if that happens they would have to surgically unlock it again, if you will. Then you'd have to go through physical therapy all again. I said, I don't want any more surgery. I don't want more physical therapy. So, so work on the shoulder. He says, well, it's going to hurt a little bit. And I was like, how bad can it be? Oh, that was a dumb question to ask. So I'm laying there and he's got my arm and he cranks it back like two degrees. I thought he was going to rip my shoulder off. And I know some of you, when you're in pain, you're kind of grinning bare. Going, Not me. If patients were walking outside, too bad for them. Cause I was like, Oh, I was like, you do not get a birthday invite anymore. I, I just was angry at him. And he just kept cranking on and cranking on slowly but surely. That was painful every time I went in. And then he said, now, when you go home, he said, do you have a baseball bat? And I said, yeah. He says, well, take one of the baseball bat and put it on the palm of your left hand. And then take the other end and just push your shoulder back. I said, oh, that'll be fun. You know? And so I'm, I'm at home and I'm in the living room and I'm doing this. And my kids walk in I'm like, what are you doing, Dad? And I'm crying. Shut up. Leave me alone getting better (laughs) you know and uh so I just kept working on and finally after two months my shoulder started to get better and and eventually I was able to you know do this with no pain yeah yeah I was excited and it was worth it but I said listen if you want to get to full mobility you've got to work through the pain you've got to be willing to surrender and if you're feeling immobile in your soul Recovery is only found through surrender. In fact, God's healing grace is activated when you surrender. The series is called Let It Move You, and we're talking about God's grace. And today we're talking about God's grace, His healing grace being activated to help us surrender. And when you see that, it seems counterintuitive at first. Like I said, you wanna cover up. But when you release the pain to God, you open the door to God to bring healing, and it all starts when you surrender, your heart. Here's what it says in Psalm 34, uh, 17 and 18. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Notice that God draws close to the brokenhearted, but our pride and stubbornness many times get in the way. We think crying out makes us look weak, but in reality, it's just the opposite. Crying out requires strength, the strength to let God in and to work in you and through you. The scripture goes on to say in Psalm 147, three, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. If you've been asking why you don't sense God's healing touch, have you surrendered your heart? And the battle just doesn't take place in our hearts but also our minds. God's healing grace is activated when you surrender your thought life. In Isaiah 26, three, it says you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Have you ever seen the video where someone's got a little pen with those red lights and they put it on the floor and there's the cat chasing the red light all over the place and the cat's just, the couch and the wall everywhere. And it's kind of funny at first, but then you're like, doesn't the cat realize the red light's not really there and he doesn't? And we're like, silly cat. But how many times are we going through a painful situation And like the cat, our mind is racing all over the place. We're chasing one worry to the next worry to the next worry. Some of you are professionals at future pacing to the worst possible scenario. Any of you like that? If someone's running late, you assume they're in a ditch, they've crashed their car. You know, you future pace to the negative. Some of you do that and your mind is just racing around. And he says he keeps in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Instead of bouncing all around, you keep your mind on Christ. Set aside time to keep your mind on Christ and then ask for his help to draw you back to him. And it's not just about keeping your thoughts on Christ, but also ridding yourself of negative thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. If you've ever had uh, leaky pipes at your house, You know, the very first thing you do is you turn off the water. You don't try to fix the leaky pipe while the water's running. You you turn off the water, then you can go fix it. And when it comes to our mind and painful situations we're going through, sometimes we just get in these loops where we just play the pain over and over and over again. And what God wants to do, he wants us to turn off the water at the source. To begin to capture those thoughts and say, these negative thoughts aren't helping me. And when you're capturing these thoughts, it doesn't mean you don't acknowledge that you're going through a painful situation, but you don't keep reliving it over and over and over again. You stop it at the source. And maybe it takes 100 times a day where you say, God, help me to capture these negative thoughts. I'm not going to dwell on them. But the more you do that, the more you keep your mind stayed on Jesus Christ, He'll begin to change your thought life. And you begin to find the peace that He's talking about because you've surrendered your thoughts. As you surrender your heart... And mind, God will also help you when you surrender your focus. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That is not easy to say. I love that verse, but it's hard to say. Notice here that God uses your pain to bring healing to others. You know you're having true breakthrough when you take the painful situation with God's help, it becomes a place of teaching and comfort to someone else. One of my favorite stories, and you've probably heard this story before, is the guy who's walking down the street, it's in the city, and he's not really paying attention, he's on his phone looking at something, and that day the city workers are working on one of the sewers, and they've taken the manhole cover off, and of course they put all the barriers around it, the red flags, you know, be careful, and they've gone to lunch. And he's looking at his phone and he's walking along and he walks perfectly between the barricades and he actually falls down into the sewer. And so now he's like 10 feet down and of course there's no ladder and he's calling out, help, help, someone get me out. And a doctor walks by and she looks down and says, what's going on? I said, hey, I wasn't paying attention. I I fell down in the hole and she says, "Uh, I'd love to help you, but as a doctor, I gotta go to the hospital and help people there. I got a surgery and so off she goes. And it's like, really? She just left me here. And then another guy walks up. It's a businessman. He looks down and goes, what's going on? He says, oh, I fell down this hole. Can you help me out? And the businessman said, I love helping people, but, you know, I I can't help you. i got to get to work and and help some people. And so he walks away. And this guy's dumbfounded. Two people have seen me, and they're not helping me. And so he keeps calling out, help, help. And finally, a guy looks down, and he looks up, and it's his buddy John. And he's relieved. He's like, John. You won't believe it. I was walking along, wasn't paying attention. I fell down in this hole. Can you help me out? And to his shock and dismay, John jumps down in the sewer with him. (laughs) He's like, what are you doing, John? Now we're both stuck down here. We don't have a ladder. And John said, relax. I've been down here before, and I know the way out. See, some of you have been in some dark places in your life. It's like you've been in the sewer emotionally, spiritually, relationally, financially, whatever. And by God's grace, his healing grace activated in you, he led you out of that dark place. And so now you're walking in his light. And you know some people that are in their own dark place now, and they're struggling, and God wants you to jump down in the dark place with them and say, relax, you, me, and God are going to get through this. Help walk them out. God wants to bring healing to your heart, to your mind, and your focus, and it all starts when you remember. God's healing grace is activated when you surrender. What's been holding you back from surrendering? To honestly let go and let God? I want to encourage you to take the brave step today to activate God's healing grace in your life. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning that you've given us And I thank you that when we go through painful situations where we don't understand the why many times, that you come along by your Holy Spirit and you bring healing when we surrender. It's not always important that we can answer the why, God, but that we're willing to surrender our heart, to surrender our mind, to surrender our focus, to allow you to move in us and through us, to bring beauty and peace in our lives in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remember there's going to be prayer teams down here after the song. Thank you.